Welcome, everyone, to the Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shaped some of the people that you know, love, and follow. Excited to be back. Excited to uh, sit down with all of you and talk a little more sales, uh, sales advice, talk about just life and sales, whatever we want to talk about. Um, I've been getting a lot more questions lately, which is amazing. So feel free, whether it's in the comments or in the DMs, make sure to shoot me some questions. Let me know kind of what's top of mind for you. Went with the full on like collared shirt today, which is just a, I don't know. It's just like, I, I felt, I felt like it felt like putting on the collared shirt and like official outfit today. So today's topic is going to be a fun one. Today, we're going to talk about sales and CS alignment. Can we just give a round of applause to all of our CS and account management people? You know, these are the people that have to put up with sales. And I know because I've, you know, obviously I've been on the other side of the house and manage those teams that have to put up with, you know, salespeople and, you know, sales leadership saying, I'll oh, just deal with it, you know, over and over again. So shout out to all my CS uh, and all my uh, uh, account management leaders out there today. Um, so we're going to talk about how to increase revenue by getting this handoff tighter. It's kind of funny to me. We're so obsessed with the handoff process between the SDR and the salespeople. We literally forget that one of the most important handoffs in the relationship is sales to CS. And let me tell you this. The reason that we miss this, the reason that we don't pay enough attention to this is we don't feel the impact of it immediately. Meaning when an SDR hands off a lead to sales, that salesperson is qualifying that lead in the first you know, week right, or two weeks. Uh, the reality is when sales hands over a bad deal or a mismanaged expectation deal, you might not feel that for months or maybe even you won't feel it until the renewal. So for a lot of teams, they don't put as much emphasis as they probably should on the handoff process between sales and CS because they just don't actually see the issue right, until it hits like a certain oh shit moment. And then it's like, oh wow, like what happened here? Um, so I'm going to jump into some ways real quick that we can do this. Also, like I said before, if you all have, we're going to be doing a lot more Q&A this year. So if you all have questions, uh, feel free. Let me know where you're joining from. That's another one of my favorite things. I'm just going to ride drop your questions and let me know where you are joining from. I'll give you a shout out as well. Um, and lots of people joining on a weekly basis. So what's up? Okay, cool. All right, so let's jump into it. So first things first here, how to increase your average sales uh, price or average contract value with better uh, alignment. Okay, number one is this one. This is a, this is a favorite one. <laughs> is number one, there is such thing as customers who aren't the right fit, right? Now, salespeople are like, but if they sign the contract, they must be the right fit. No, incorrect. That is not correct. Just because someone signs a contract does not mean that they are the right fit by any stretch of the imagination. So for a lot of you out there, I want you to think about that first and foremost, that this to me is one of the big areas where sales alignment happens. It's so funny. 
it's so funny how sales reps and, and sales reps, you know what I'm talking about here, how sales reps are so ruthless at times about the qualification of leads from an SDR, right? I have, actually have never thought about it this way before, but this is actually extremely funny. If you think about they're like, well, this person didn't have this or this qualification criteria. This salesperson didn't have XYZ um, criteria. And then you hand the deal over to account management or customer success. And what if, what if customer success is like, hey, sales rep, sorry, you closed the deal. They don't fit this criteria, this criteria. And guess what? Which we know is, is going to be a bad fit customer. Um, man, sales would flip out. What do you mean? They signed the contract. Figure it out. Right? So that's number one. Is like you have to define bad fit customers. What's up, Andrew? Andrew and the LinkedIn team of the Chicago office. I've been to that office a bunch. Uh, thanks for joining us. Lisa out of the Netherlands. Um, I just finished. I binged to watch the entire Formula One season over the weekend. If you all haven't watched Drive to Survive, Survive to Drive, the Formula One series, it's epic. Watch it. It's awesome. Um, which made, reminded me of the Netherlands. Uh, one of the best drivers is uh, Dutch. So that's number one, is that you have to define bad fit customers the same way you define, and this is going to be mind-blowing. What if you defined bad fit customers the same way you defined bad, like, bad fit prospects earlier in the process? Do we really think that salespeople are only closing, you know, great, the perfect deals? What's up, uh, Patricia in New Hampshire? Kevin up in Naperville. I like how you call out Naperville and not Chicago. You're like, no, 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 not Chicago, Naperville. I know where Naperville is. So uh, Kevin, what's going on, man? Hope you're doing fantastic, by the way. It's been a minute. So that's number one, is that you have to realize if you want to increase your, co your, your contract values throughout the life cycle of a customer, you have to define bad fit customers, right? I'm going to do a whole post on this because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, Bad fit customers should have the same scrutiny and pushback that SDRs get around bad fit prospect, right? So once you sign the contract, this person's going to churn. We know they're going to churn. Here's the mountain of data that says this person's 90% likely to churn because they fit this criteria. And these are all the other people that had a year one churn. So we're not going to close the deal, right? I know, trust me, there'd be a revolt. Uh, as a part of that with salespeople, but hey, maybe it's what we need to do. Okay, that's number one. If you want to increase your average contract value throughout the life cycle of a customer, make sure you define bad fit customers. Number two is make the experience better for them. And I'm going to give you three quick ones here. Hold, please. Copy and paste these in for you. I'm going to give you three quick ways to improve the customer handoff. Um what is going on? Kai from Brooklyn had me as a pavilion instructor. I've got a, a really funny story about this that, that I will tell you all after I copy and paste this in um, about, <laughs> about my tenure <laughs> as a pavilion instructor, which was uh, cut short, by the way. Even though, I mean, I think Kai can, you know, attest to it was, you know, my sessions are pretty good. Um, all right, here we go. So here we go. So I've got three quick ones for you, That's which is number two. If you want to increase your contract value, make for a better customer experience. Number one is information transfer. It is pretty hilarious to me. Um, yes, notes in Salesforce will be helpful, but it's like, wow, this sales rep went and spent four, six, eight, 12, 24, however many weeks with a customer. 
And then the knowledge transfer is like, yeah, we had like a five minute call about what it's, what's going on. And I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. We do a lot of uh, sales technology implementations. And, um, you know, we, we are on the other receiving end of that as well, too, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is what the customer wants, blah, 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 blah. You're like, oh, okay, well, we need a little bit more context there, please, sir, um, on, you know, what's actually happening here. Okay, I am also number two, okay, is, is the handoff. I'm a big fan of sales attending the first one or two meetings. My God, what would happen in salespeople? Oh, but that's a waste of time. Waste of time. You just spent 8, 12, 24, six months, whatever, closing this deal. And it's like, well, you know, it's a waste of time. I don't get comped on the renewal. It's like, well, what about the customer experience? You literally built all, you know, everyone talks. It's so, you know what? This is another good point. I, I get into arguments. I did this um, session with Sarah Brazier, the team at reply.io. Uh, a couple weeks ago now, week, week, is that last week? No, week, a couple weeks ago, um, about chat GPT and humans will never be replaced and all this junk. And, but okay, if that's the case and everyone says it's all about the relationship, this is again for all my salespeople, how many of you attend the first few meetings to make sure that the, the, the customer that you spent all that time building a relationship with actually ever went live successfully? How often are you going and, and making sure that they're getting trained properly? So again, think about that handoff process, okay? And are we really doing a good enough job of transferring the right information, one, and two, making sure that the salesperson stays to help to, to build a better relationship with the CS rep, you know, by showing the customer like, hey, I'm here for you. I've been listening, et cetera, Okay. Next up, managing manage expectations of the engagement. Okay, salespeople, another favorite one for you. And I know for all my account executives out there, look, I've closed a lot of deals in my career, thousands of deals probably. I've closed uh, big seven-figure deals. I've closed, I've closed getting people's credit card over the phone for $39, a one-time charge, to, for, to multiple, multiple, multiple million-dollar deals. So salespeople, trust me, I've seen every type of sale, okay, at this point. Um, I know how it goes, but I'm just telling you right now, the better expectation you set, because you don't want them coming back to you either being like, hey, what's up, Jake? You told me this is going to happen and this is what really happened. But I can tell you, if you're sitting there telling your customer, like, it's so easy to get started. We're, oh my gosh, our team's going to do blah, blah, blah. Oh, you want to go live in two weeks? Oh yeah, we'll go live in two weeks. Come on. Like literally the CS team, I hope everybody tags their CS team in here. The CS team is going to be like, man, how do I get my VP of sales or CRO to listen to this? Because what Jake is talking about is the life that I live every single day. So I'm just telling you this. Think, forget the, A, the, the AE, the account executive and CS relationship. Forget all that. And just think about your customer's experience. Am I making sure my customers, and there's a ton of data around this, that the first three months of a customer's experience with a company has a direct impact on their uh, uh, churn a year down the road. So just think about these, these three things. If you just do these three things better, do a better transfer process. Have sales join for like, they can multitask. I don't even care. Just have sales join the first few calls. So the customer is like, wow, like the person who spent all this time with me actually cares if I use the product. And then make sure that you have very specific talking points for how sales actually talks about um, 
the implementation process. Sales refusing to talk about the implementation process is probably the number one friction point that I see it whenever companies go live. So sales teams, you need to have a criteria for how you talk about the implementation before you hand it over the fence to CS and help to make their life a lot, a lot easier. So I've got one more for you. So number one, as we kind of jump into this, number one was there is such thing as a bad fit customer. Make sure you define that the same way you define the criteria at the top of the funnel, define it at the end of the funnel, right? Number two is think about the customer experience and how you can provide a better experience. Um, and then I've got number three from you. First, I'll tell my story about my um, Kai. I'll tell you the story about me as a Pavilion instructor. Um, so Pavilion is a membership community for salespeople and sales leaders, mostly tech. Um, and I've done a, a LinkedIn class for them for maybe like a year or so. And on one of the sessions, um, <laughs> the sales rep, I said, okay, let's talk about LinkedIn profiles, et cetera. And then I said, okay, well, guys, let me talk about marketing and how marketing needs to support salespeople around LinkedIn. And I may or may not have pulled up, after making a point, a company's page and described their LinkedIn strategy as garbage, um, which I guess I could have had a better choice of words than garbage. Um, but it, their strategy was garbage. So I stand by it because they're just sharing a bunch of links. Nobody's interacting. It's only employees. And the rep shared it with the marketing department, like, hey, we can do better here. Um, and the, the marketing department was like, we're paying for this. And he, he said that our strategy was garbage. I, I have not been invited back to teach. <laughs> I, they sent me a note like, Jake, blah, blah, blah. I go, look, I don't, you guys just do your thing. I don't need to be a part of this. Um, so uh, there we go. All right. Uh, Muhammad, what's going on? Muhammad, whoa, Muhammad put a very long comment in here. Um, let's see, driving experience and senses. Hmm. Man, that's a lot in there. I think, hmm. Okay. I think I get what you're saying. You're giving a good example of like how to do a good implementation pair. Uh, uh, yeah, I know Kai, but I did, I did call somebody's marketing department's LinkedIn strategy garbage. So anyway, it happens. Life happens. Okay. So last but not least, is number three here. I digress. Um, how CS can help sales. So again, I've been talking about a lot about how sales can help CS to drive um, customer value. But let me give the, the flip side to you. Okay, number one is feedback on best fit customers. Like I think a lot of times CS teams and account management teams don't do a very good job of going back to sales and creating this loop. Hey, this works. This isn't working. Tell us what's working. Tell me more. What do you want to see differently? You know, et cetera. Um, to where CS is feeding the sales team with the information that they need to know to, to, to give these expectations we're talking about. So CS has to do a good job. The other thing is CS has to feed success stories back to sales. Everyone sits around waiting for a case study on X or Y. It's like, if CS teams were just consistently dropping in Slack or teams like, hey, here's a big win we had for this vertical. And then somebody was aggregating that. That's so much more powerful than a really long, lengthy case study. So CS just has to do a better job of communicating. Again, you want to increase your deal size, feed sales the information they need to help to close more deals. It's going to make a big, big difference. Um, you know, CS can help to identify if sales still comes in and helps, you know, expansion opportunities. Um, you know, new divisions, changes that are happening. If if you have a team where sales comes back into the deal, so it's 
I think CS needs to do a better job of communicating back success stories, what's working, what's not working, and just making that like a regular loop. Um, and it'll help sales close a lot more deals because they're going to have a lot more success stories. They're not sitting around waiting for these like overly blown case studies that let's be honest, like most people don't really look at. It's so funny how many people ask for case studies, then they also want references too. And it's like, totally happy to do it. But one, do you think I'm going to give you a reference of anyone who's not going to say anything positive? Probably not. Two, the case study is going to say the exact same thing that, that they said. Um, so anyway, that's why if you can just feedback quotes, hey, this company used our product and saw a 5% increase in results, then they're in this sector. Great. That's good enough. That's good enough as opposed to like the whole buildup of the situation and all of that. And then just doing a better job of identifying upsells. So those are my number three. Okay, those are my big three there um, for you. So I'm going to drop a couple more links in here. Make sure if you're not, our Modern Leader newsletter um, has been blowing up. I mean, we're adding about a thousand new subscribers a month on the newsletter. We put this out bi-weekly. This is for all my, my innovative leaders out there, people that are trying to stay at the forefront. If you're a rep, you're going to get a lot of value out of it as well too. Um, also make sure to check out the podcast. Uh, new episodes go out every Thursday, the Jake Dunlap show, um, where we talk about you know trends in business, how people became successful. It's just a fun, I have a lot of fun with it as a part of it. Uh, but to recap, all right, I've got three things for you. One, there is such thing as a bad fit customer. Two, sales can help CS by making the handoff experience better for the customer. It's about the customer's experience. And for better information transfer, better handoff by joining some meetings, better job of really discussing the expectations up front. And finally, but certainly not last, last, CS needs to help sales by feeding back customer stories and teeing up opportunities. You don't have to be the best salesperson, but you do know how to identify business challenges and business issues. So everyone, that, my friends, is what's up for this Monday. Uh, later this week, I don't see... Oh, actually, you know what? The link's going to go out later today. Um, if you go to my feed, let me see here. I've got you... Yeah, we're doing another... We You got back-to-back today and Thursday um, where I'm going to be talking about compliance. I know that look, some of these topics I read and I'm like, this sounds real boring. But I'm telling you this. There are some real privacy laws and compliance laws that are going down in the United States right now that if you are in sales or marketing, I am telling you, you need to be aware of these. These are like GDPR and variation of that type of stuff that will impact you. A lot of these privacy laws, it's like, oh, my boss will tell me or this will happen. It's like, I'm telling you, we're really behind. So join me Thursday. And then next week, ooh, we're going to talk about the warm referral talk track. How to get introductions. Let's say if you grow current accounts or you're trying to get new business, how to grow current accounts within you know, that group of people you talk to and how to do a better job of getting referrals with other people in your territory. So next Monday at 11 is all about getting those warm referrals, which I feel like we just have completely forgotten about in sales. Um, Kevin, I appreciate you. He already listens to the podcast and just signed up for the newsletter. Um, I appreciate it. I really, I really enjoy the podcast. So I'm glad that you're getting value out of it. So that's what's up, everyone. I'm back. Happy Monday. No, no, no new crazy trips planned. So I'll be around for the next month or so. Um, hopefully enjoyed Brian's session. I had Brian on our team do a LinkedIn takeover um, as well. So um, 
to wrap up, I have actually a couple of questions here um, that I had got. And again, feel free um, to shoot me a note whenever you have some of these um, questions. And I'm happy to share any insights I have in these as well. So the very first one is, how did I get to 70,000 followers on LinkedIn? Um, and you know, when I started my LinkedIn journey, I was at 8,000. And now I'm at 70,000 a few years later. So I'm going to give you my five tips for how I got 70,000 followers on LinkedIn. Tip number one is I connected with a bunch of people and maxed out my connection requests every single week. I built relevant lists in SalesNav. It didn't just happen from a bunch of viral content. Um, and I just started connecting with people that were relevant. And I'd max that out every week. And that helped to get the snowball going getting more people and more people seeing it and liking. So I took a proactive approach to growing my audience. Okay. Number two, and this is another big one. I started putting out content every day at about the same time every day. People like consistency. They want it. A lot of people are worried that they'll saturate the market. That's not really what happens. Instead, people are like, Ooh, that next post came out. And the next one, and there's so many other people that are posting. It doesn't really matter. But I was just consistent in the times that I was posting. Number three is I would make it a point to try to engage with people and their content that had a lot more followers than I did. So on a consistent basis, let's say I put up a post at 7.30 a.m. Central Time um, or around that time every day. I then would go and look at people that had already posted and start to comment on their content. I found that that did uh, really, really well. So I maxed out my connection requests. Um, I did a really good job of interacting with other folks. Uh, and I started posting consistently. The last two, I think, are maybe a little bit um, less counterintuitive. Is the, the other thing that I did is I started doing a lot of like different guest spots. So I started to reach out to people and say, hey, people that were active, like if they had a podcast or if they had a, a show on LinkedIn. And I would ask them like, hey, if you're looking for people, I'd love to talk. I think a lot of times it's like your ego won't let you get in the way of doing that. And so you don't reach out to people. You're like, I don't want to seem desperate, but I was like, why do I care? You know, like if it's free exposure for me, like that's a total win. And then last, but certainly not least, and actually maybe I should have started with this, which is um, I was very intentional about the topics that I talked about. I, I And I think I continue to do a better job of this. I narrow down and I don't try to talk about everything. Some people do. Some people like their jam is talking about all this stuff in their personal life and et cetera. That's fantastic. That's not really my jam. I do it. I talk about stuff in my personal life. But look, I talk about sales, a little bit of leadership and a little bit of career. So get very focused on, on your audience, You know what you want to be known for and those things. And that's how you'll grow your LinkedIn following. That was my recipe. And I hope it helps a lot of you out there grow your LinkedIn following. Uh, next question I got. Uh, on this as well too. And feel free uh, if you have that. There you go. Terry Stewart, you know I'm always plugging sales nav. Terry Stewart, you know what's up. Um, uh, that's my name. Great. Rewarding. Good. Good, Muhammad. Um, the next question I got, and feel free, guys, drop questions in here. And if I don't, if I don't get to him today, I might be able to get to him next week. Uh, was the craziest thing I've ever done to make a sale? You know, this is interesting. I feel like I'm pretty boring with a lot of this, but I will give you one of the craziest things that we did to crack into the enterprise market for one of our clients. Uh, this company did uh, wait list management. And now you see it everywhere for fast, casual restaurants. Things like Buffalo Wild Wings, Chili's, Applebee's, eating good in the neighborhood, um, those types of restaurants. And we could not crack the enterprise. And, and I will not take credit for this. Actually, the head of marketing at this company kind of thought of, well, what if we 
recorded videos and sent them via... And this actually, this strategy actually made it into a book. Uh, Stu Heineke, if you uh, read his books, uh, this the strategy actually made it in there. We sent like 15 leaders a customized iPad with a video. And like, it, that was the only app was you could play the video and it said, hey, here's what we know about your restaurants. We, we want you to use this first iPad. And I think we had a 75% meeting book rate. And so it's not necessarily about closing the sale, but you know, it was a mix of, it was relevant. It's an iPad waitlist management. It's on an iPad. It was customized. They, it wasn't just the kitschiness of the iPad. They clicked that video and it was me or the CEO talking directly into the screen saying, here's what I know about your locations. Here's how I think we can help. Let's set up some time to connect. And boom, we booked, like I said, 75% hit rate. So that is one of the craziest things I've ever done to book a meeting uh, more than anything. All right, next one is how to survive your first year in sales. Um, you know, and I'll just talk a little bit about this. Um, for me, I, and I'm going to tell a very specific story of I had done really well in sales and professional sports. And then I went into tech and I was in a training class. I, I went back to be an account executive and I was the second to last person who hadn't sold anything. And my director, my boss's boss listened to my call and said, Jake, why aren't you following the script? I'm like, the script? And some of you have probably heard this, but uh, it's one of my favorite stories is I'm like, I'm Jake Dunlap. I don't need scripts, man. Scripts are for you know people who don't know what they're doing. And he goes, Jake, do you think we're stupid? He goes, do you think we train a thousand salespeople on this process because it doesn't work? Yeah. My mind was blown. And that is when I, you know, I was already, I had already started to read a lot um, and listen to books as well, but I, I always thought that there was a lot of like so much art to sales. And I said, well, look, I guess you're right. I haven't closed anything. I started following their process and best practices. And I closed $60,000 in new business the next month. So if you want to survive your first year in sales, drink the Kool-Aid. Believe like if you, you just, you have to trust that the process is what it is for a reason. Right. And I'm talking about, especially if you go to like a mid-sized company or something like that. And, and so if you want to make it through, borrow best practices. I was always really good at that. I'd hear somebody say something on the on the phone and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do that now. I'd hear somebody else say something over here. Oh, I'm going to try that now. And so just borrow best practices. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Right. And if you want to survive, like just imagine if, if this is your first year in sales or first year in a new job in sales. If you're always trying to recreate the wheel and figure it out, first, just go take the playbook, execute that, which is a bunch of best practices, and then iterate it on make it and make it better. So that's what's up. If you want to survive your first year in sales, or if you want to survive your first however long uh, in sales, um, that is how you've got to do it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel 24-7. Instead, borrow, beg, steal best practices, execute those because they're based on what works and then make them your own. That is how you're going to be wildly, wildly successful. Um, let's see, my man, Jason, Jason, what's going on, man? Jason, CEO of Orem is in the house. Jason, I have not, we've not cut up in a, in a little bit. You got to DM me. We're far overdue for a cocktail or just to sit down here in Austin and say what's up. Um, so I've got time for one more question. And then Lisa, do not worry. I will get to your question. I'll answer your question at some point and I will tag you in it when I do it. So 
I'm going to go ahead and drop your question so I do not forget it. But I do have our all company, all hands that I as the CEO cannot be late for. But Lisa, I will get to your question, I promise. So last question, um, certainly not least, Mr. Jason. I would love for you to give some tips on training SDRs to get better on the phone. How do you typically structure role plays, objection handling, et cetera? This is such a really good one. Step one is, is getting good on being on the phone is all about building a routine. And I know that that's like a crazy thing. You're like, that doesn't help with objections. Cold calling is a lot like doing pull-ups. If any of you have ever gotten really good at pull-ups, you start to get these calluses on your hand, but it takes a while and it, it, it becomes like very difficult to do pull-ups until you get these calluses. Until you build a routine as an SDR of I'm going to make, and even as an AE, that I'm going to do this block of cold calls in the morning, this one in the early afternoon, late afternoon, and maybe late, late. I feel like you never build the callus. If you just, you know, there's a saying called eat the frog which is like, you don't eat the frog in like little bites. You eat the frog in big chunks. Shout out to Brian Tracy. That's his line. Um, and so step one, if you want to get better at cold calling is you have to get in a routine. And then what I did is I used tick sheets. And I said, look, in this block, I'm going to make 15 dials. I'm not going to get up to go to the bathroom, refill my coffee, anything. 15. And I gave myself an hour. And then if I finished early, I was done. So after my 15, I got up and I left, right? If I got it done early, great. If I was dilly-dallying around doing too much research, then I, I it took me an hour and 10 minutes to do the cold call block. So candidly, if you want to get better at being on the phone, build that routine. That, my friends, is like the most important piece. Number two is you have to listen to your own game film. I would listen to my own calls and I would have my boss listen. And if they're like, Jake, you're talking too fast, I would practice slowing down. And that's kind of going to be my final piece of advice too. But you have to go back and replay your game film. Every elite athlete does this. Every single elite athlete does exactly what I'm saying. They go back and they, they watch themselves. They looked at how they perform. Sales is no different. You have to go and do that. And that goes to number three, uh, which I was kind of like starting uh, to allude to. So I've built my routine. I'm watching myself to get better. I'm, I'm listening to the things that I did uh, as well, which I think you know is, is a big part of this. And then last but certainly not least, the thing that I think made me better than most is I would practice the process of getting uncomfortable on every call. That I made it a point. I hung up after one call. I'll never forget. And I was like, man, you just wimped out. I said, I never want to talk to myself like that again. So I made sure that I didn't do that. I made sure that I wanted to make sure after every call I made that I that I never didn't have that uncomfortable moment because that uncomfortable moment only takes five seconds as opposed to thinking about that uncomfortable moment for minutes or hours. And so that's how I got better. I built the routine. I listened to myself and I, and I set that one rule. I will never hang up from a call not feeling like I didn't have that uncomfortable moment. So that's what's up, everyone. I hope it helps. All right. Keep dropping the questions in there. Lisa, I will not forget about you. It's in my document. And uh, feel free. Every Monday at 11, next, this coming Thursday, we got the compliance one at 11. I'll see you all later. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week. 
thank you everyone again for listening to another episode. If you are listening all the way to the end, I hope you have left a review. I hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. We'll be back next Thursday. And again, make sure to check out the Monday episodes as well, too. A lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and leave a review. 